Hey, this is Tom, and before we get started, I wanted to share something pretty cool with you. I host my podcast on Buzzsprout, and Buzzsprout implemented a new feature called Fan Mail, which I want to try out. So what that means is if you go to the show notes for any episode, including the one you're about to listen to, there's a little link that says send a text message, and you can click that and just send a quick message, and that's pretty cool. Do not overthink this. It can just be a thought that you have. It can be as informal as a text message. You would send a friend. We could be friends, right? I'm super excited about this because it's always sort of tricky to figure out like how to communicate via podcasts that don't have traditional comment sections and things. Of course, there's always the regular email and the speak pipe link on HiMyNameIsTom.com. But if you want to send a quick message, you can just click the send a text link and send me some mail. Now I'm going to send you to the episode. And welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project Season 4, Episode 2. And speaking of 2, it's also the two-year anniversary of this podcast. So, today, there are a few things that I want to go over and kind of share. And this is kind of going back to, I guess you could call it, the roots of this podcast, where it's just it's just one-on-one kind of uh, breaking it down more, I guess it's more of a one-way conversation because this is recorded, but I I feel like over the past, maybe the past month or so, I have learned or relearned a lot about creativity, being creative, uh, directions that I want things to go in, and I don't think that that's just helpful for me. I think that's actually something that would be helpful to share with you as well. So, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Today is, well, like, it's the second episode of the season. Last week, if you haven't listened, I did an interview with Raphael Ledwig. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. He has one of my favorite YouTube channels, and that was that was a ton of fun. And he has so much experience and so much knowledge. He really, like, delivered, he really delivered a lot of very cool insight and very cool perspective in that one. But today, I wanted to just go back to... It's just me in a room talking by myself for a while. And part of that is because Raphael and I did our episode, I think we recorded it like right before Christmas, a couple days before Christmas. And then I just saved it to start season four. My idea was like, I'll get a whole bunch of episodes recorded and then save those for season four. And then I didn't, which is fine because I was still working on other stuff, you know, still making videos, I was still doing the couples table with Heather, I was still doing the podcast with Peter, and you know, still doing lots of things, but I just wasn't doing this podcast, my personal podcast with those plosive tests right there. And I, that was kind of on purpose because today I'm recording this is January 18th, so it's actually the day that I will be putting it out. So if you're listening to this day it came out, I literally recorded it today. <laughs> Happy Monday. And that means, you know, it's been almost a month since I've actually sat down and recorded an episode. And that's been kind of helpful because, as you might know, 
I kind of batch this into arbitrary seasons of 21 episodes. And that's that really makes no reason other than that the first time, the first season after episode 21, I was like, that's a season finale. And then I just kept doing it. <laughs> you know how traditions start. You just do the same thing forever. And I, I try to have some kind of theme or purpose for each season. And I've been really, really enjoying doing interviews lately. So if you've been listening, especially like the last part of season three, I started doing a bunch more interviews. And I've been really having fun with that because it's great to have other voices. It's great to have other perspectives. It's really fun for me because it's a totally different muscle group to work when you're doing an interview with somebody versus, you know, versus talking to yourself kind of like this. And I've really been enjoying it. But there are a couple downsides to it. The biggest one being that you obviously have to work around other people's schedules. And if you if you work far in advance, it's not too bad. And luckily, everybody I've been working with has been so amazing. It's been easy to do that. But if you want to do a lot of interviews, that can become a problem. And the bigger thing is, I realize I really don't want this podcast to just be an interview podcast. As much as I love them, because there are so many interview podcasts with people who do it really well, <laughs> that like, I could just go listen to those, you know, you could go to listen to those. So what can we do here that's a little bit different? And so my very loose, very tentative goal for season four is to do one interview a month, and then three other kind of normal episodes a month. And I was going to be really specific about like, well, there was one interview a month, and then the, you know, the first episode after that's going to be about this theme and this theme, but eh, flexibility is nice. So <laughs> we'll just do flexibility, especially because I've been getting like actually a decent number of messages and emails and stuff over the break where people have said they've gone back and started listening to this podcast from the beginning, which, oh my God, that scares me. <laughs> but it's been very positive feedback in that way. And I, I really remember the first batch of episodes was very much like that was therapeutic for me in a way of getting getting stuff out. You know, like I, I was tired of being interrupted in my classroom mid-thought. I was even getting tired of having to condense everything down and jump cut everything for YouTube in a way where I couldn't really dive deep into a thought or an idea and it had to stay very on topic. And so a podcast was a great way to to jump in and go, okay, I can just talk about a thing for as long as I want. It doesn't even really matter if, if anybody listens. But then people listen and have been so unbelievably supportive. And it seems like that has been a helpful thing. So I think that in a way is kind of a unique thing that this podcast can offer is, is maybe that more one-on-one -on -one insight and connection. In addition to other stuff, you know, I do love doing interviews. I do love having Heather here. And I, you know, there's really cool opportunities for stuff like that. I'm not against those, but I, I think at its core, the thing that differentiates this from not just the other stuff I do, but also from other stuff that's out there is really that kind of crazy man ranting in room by himself, <laughs> you know, vibe. And I, I like it because it, it's really a chance to sort of share stuff that I might not be able to share otherwise or, or have the time to share. And that kind of goes into today. So I'm sorry if that was sort of a long rambling intro. But today there was a few things that I wanted to cover, like little uh, snippets, little stories, little vignettes that have happened recently, all very positive that have really helped me remember 
why I am excited about making stuff, videos, podcasts, the whole thing. There's been like some keystone moments in in the past few weeks, or a couple months, actually even just like the past literally like two weeks that have really like reshaped my perspective. And one of them, I'll start with this actually, one of them has to do with Clubhouse. <laughs> I don't know if you're on Clubhouse. I am. You could follow me at Zodarn Tom. So let me tell you how much I didn't care about Clubhouse. If you don't know what it is, neither did I. It is a new app. It's invite only at the moment. And I think it's only for iPhone. And (laughs) I just noticed people talking about it on social media. And then even Heather was like, people are talking about this app. I don't know what it is. And I was like, I don't care. Like the last thing I need is one more thing to go in and check and keep updated and and all that. And I just wasn't interested. And Heather got an invite. And then, you know, when you sign up, you get an invite. It's like when Gmail first started. And so she gave me an invite. And I was like, okay. And basically what it is, is it's like almost like just audio chat rooms in a way. People can set up rooms and you go in and each room will typically have like a stage, quote unquote, where the people who started the room can be there and they can add people to the stage And then there's like an audience. And so there's a group of people who are talking and the people in the audience can't talk. So it's not just pure chaos of everybody talking over each other. And and, and the people on the stage, if if somebody in the audience like wants to raise their hand, they can then like unmute them. And it's it's like an audio version of like a Zoom call or a Discord server. And I was like, yeah, I don't, (laughs) I'm on Zoom all day for work. I don't need to be on Zoom in my free time. But anyway, signed up, kind of went in, like poked around and it, once you start following people on there, you you know, you'll see when they're hosting rooms and stuff and you can kind of pop in. And it's almost like listening to podcasts, like it's almost like listening to just a live podcast. And it's really fun and it's it's kind of cool. And then one thing happened where uh maybe he's listening. So if you are listening, hi Luis. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about you lately. Uh there's a guy named Luis Vega who has a YouTube channel called Mr. Camera Junkie and is he's he's on clubhouse like all the time and honestly at this point when it comes to clubhouse part of me thinks it's going to be one of those things that's insanely popular and then suddenly it like never happens again or you know it just disappears and everyone's like remember that thing from early 2021 it was like clubhouse or something i kind of almost think that might happen like people are going to get real excited about it and then a fatigue will set in it'll just disappear i kind of hope i'm wrong so i would love to be wrong you know if if uh if it's 10 years from now and you're listening to this and Clubhouse is the dominant social media platform, I'm happy to have been wrong. But uh, Luis is like a Clubhouse expert and he's on there all the time and he's opening rooms. And so I was, I had kind of poked around a little bit and I wasn't that interested in it. And then Heather was like, well, let's start a room, you and me. And I was like, I don't want to. She's like, no, let's just see how it works. Like, it's not even that anyone has to be there. So we started a room just to kind of see like how it worked. And then Luis popped in and it was just the three of us in a room. It was almost just like being on a, a three-way call. And he just started sharing so much about his journey, why he got started. He and I have really similar reasons to why we started our YouTube channels. Um, he, but he really like got going maybe like the end of November 2020. And he's done, <laughs> he's basically done in like a month, six weeks what I did in six months with my channel because he's just really been, you know, going strong. But, you know, he he's, he kind of went into the whys behind what he does. And, you know, he even was flattering enough to talk about the roles that Heather and I had in helping him to kind of get to the point where he wanted to get going. 
And it was it was incredible. Like when that was done, we ended up talking for like an hour. I don't know, like a really long time. And when that was over, Heather and I were like, that was amazing. Like that was an interaction that just couldn't have really happened in that way organically anywhere else. And I started just poking around on Clubhouse a little bit. And that's what I realized, at least right now, the the beauty of it is the serendipity behind it because everybody's accessible. The fact that it's invite only, I know is kind of like this exclusive thing, but it does kind of filter out. It just kind of filters out some of the wrong people. Not that there's not just like shameless self-promotion and stuff like any platform, but it kind of keeps it a little more, it just sort of keeps it nicer in a way I feel almost bad for saying that but also I think just as a platform it's more mature is not the right word but it's not like 13 year olds it's definitely like everyone seems to be adults which is cool it's just different it has a different feel to it and you can find yourself like you know you go into a room and there will be people there who are kind of inaccessible otherwise you know maybe they have large audiences or they get bombarded with stuff, but then you're like in the same room and, and you know, you can hear them talk in a really candid way. You can even be part of the conversation. It's kind of amazing. And I was sort of discovering that part of it when this past week on Wednesday, I had a podcast scheduled with a guy who I didn't really know, but he just kind of reached out to me through um, through one of the Ecamm groups because I use Ecamm Live to record and he just kind of reached out and was like, hey, I love your channel. Like, you want to be on my show? I was like, yeah, sure. And he, like, <laughs> his name was Alicia Way. I'll put a link in the description to the episode that we did. Because I didn't really know what I was going into. Sometimes I have this thing where I'll, I'll say yes to something. Which sometimes isn't always good. And I won't really know exactly what it is. And... I said yes, you know, to being on a show. We scheduled a time. So I, you know, did the thing, turned on the camera, turned on the microphone, had no idea what I was jumping into. And Alicio was so, okay, I don't want to paint this in the wrong way because it could come out bad. He's incredibly pro. Like he knows what he's doing. He's, He's very experienced. He's very skilled. But this was his first stream on YouTube. He'd been doing Facebook live streams for a while. Like he's been hosting stuff. You know, he had a cool looking set. Like he knows what he's doing. This was his first YouTube live stream. And so like I signed in, we were using Ecamm. And literally like as I was signing in, he was still like figuring out adding the graphics. I was like, I just got this graphic done today and we're doing this and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, he was putting the show kind of together as we got started, which I liked, like he was kind of apologetic, like, I'm sorry, I should be more organized. But I love that. I thought it was really cool to see someone kind of working on their thing. And, you know, that's I love watching people do what they do. I always learn a lot. And it's just kind of motivating to see. And then, you know, of course, he hits the go live button. And everything is just, you know, slick and polished. And there's intros and graphics and split screens. And he's changing camera angles, all while just sort of like sitting there and being ultra cool and relaxed during the interview. It was really, really great. And it was just a super fun interview. We got to talk about a lot of stuff. There was like great interaction, great people in in the chat that were, because we did, you know, it was a live stream podcast. So we got to have people chat in. And then at the end, we started talking about Clubhouse a little bit. (laughs) And he said, hey, you know, after this, we should do a Clubhouse room. And I was like, oh, sure, that'd be fun. Like the the stream ends and then we go to Clubhouse and people, it's like an after party. But then he did something I didn't expect, which was absolutely incredible. And that was 
during the stream, literally like, Tom, go get your phone and sign in and do this. And I'm going to figure out this. And then he was connecting his audio to try to like bring Clubhouse into the stream. So then at one point, you know, we were talking on the stream, but our audio was also going to Clubhouse. But people in Clubhouse could talk and be heard on the stream and then people could chat. It was this really, really like cool thing that I haven't seen anything like that in that way before and it was really fun and but it was literally like you know we were connecting stuff during the the thing and and sometimes it didn't work and there were echoes and you know then you couldn't hear this person but you could only hear that person and then you know we did that for a few minutes towards the end of the stream and ended his stream and then we just went and did like a clubhouse room like a regular room for maybe like 40 45 minutes or something afterwards and just kind of talked about the show but a lot of that was also just like, uh, you know, people were explaining like, oh, if you wanted to get the audio into the stream, you should do this. And people were helping me figure out how to use the um, the roadcaster with Clubhouse because apparently you can connect your iPhone really easily. And it was Dean Immen and Diana Gladney who helped me the most with that, by the way. Both have amazing channels if you haven't checked them out already. But it was checking, it was connecting the phone to the roadcaster, and I can have audio like this, like you're listening to right now in Clubhouse, which I like, you know, as the person who uses the Canon EOS R for every Zoom call <laughs> and like a custom LUT and eCam. I like using the roadcaster on a thing where everybody else is just using their like phone microphone. And, and anyway, that was just really fun. And <clears throat> when it was over, I was tired. It was actually a really long day and I was in like kind of a bad mood at this kind of a really bad mood at the start of the day. And then the day was over and I was just so excited. And like Heather was so excited because she'd been listening in and she jumped into the clubhouse and the, the stream chat and stuff. And I was trying to figure out like, it's one thing to go on a fun podcast and it's one thing to have a good time on a show. But I was trying to think of like something felt different about this. And I was trying to figure out what that was. And I think what it really was, was it was something I hadn't experienced in a really, really long time, like almost the same kind of feeling I had like in high school when I would try to make a website or try to record a song or try to make a video about something where it was, it was not strategy. And if you go on, you know, if you go on Clubhouse, there's tons of like business and marketing and strategy rooms where it's, you know, people's best practices and stuff like that. But this wasn't that this really felt like the the stream itself, and then going into Clubhouse afterwards, it really felt like you were just kind of hanging out with people who were into the things that you're into. And everybody was like, you know, making jokes and talking about stuff that they're interested in and asking questions about this and troubleshooting a thing that someone else was trying to do. But nobody was strategizing. Nobody was self-promoting. Nobody was talking about, you know, how many numbers they have here versus the numbers here. It was kind of like a magical thing that I didn't realize doesn't happen so much anymore. And I loved it. And what I loved was, it's so funny because Alicio you know, who hosted the show, he kept apologizing, like, I should have had this figured out, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, the fact that we were doing that on the fly, and it was a little rough around the edges, and things didn't work out perfectly. That's what I loved about it. And that's what I thought was amazing about it and wanted, like, that was motivating in a way that I hadn't felt motivated in a really long time, because it was such a reminder of like the core of why this stuff is exciting. And we were and we were excited about it and we were going, you know, it really hit home that thing too of like, I'm in California, you're over 
you're you're in a different state you know i know someone's in chicago other people are overseas and it's like we're, we're all here like trying to do this thing and geek out about it and it was just so much fun and i guess whether or not clubhouse as an app sticks around that lesson is huge and so part of me wanting to share that with you is because I just wanted to point out that maybe that thing that's kind of missing sometimes, like just sort of the excitement of making something, you know, beyond numbers, beyond strategy, beyond all that, just like getting to make a thing and experimenting and trying to do a new thing, I think is really, really fun. And so part of that's also recording this as a nice reminder to myself (laughs) of that as well, which I think is really good. And it was just, it just put me on a different, a different mindset towards towards how to to make stuff. It was just so, so positive. Because prior to that, you know, prior to that and prior to Heather and I talking to Luis, like my experience with Clubhouse were just sort of like the generic recommended rooms, which were a lot of, you know, strategy, like, I don't know, especially because a lot of people I follow are related to YouTube. Then you go into YouTube strategy, which can be fun. But like, how many times do I need to be told, be consistent, find a niche? Like, okay, do we need 18 hours of this? Probably not. <laughs> and and this was just so much more genuine. And, and going back to what I said about our call with Luis, it's something that just couldn't have happened on another platform in that way, with that vibe, that spontaneously. And I, I just, I just love that. So that was, that, that got me thinking about like, it just got me thinking about the fun of sharing the excitement of these things with people, which then kind of went into, I must have been like the next day. I was trying to think about videos. So <laughs> I, uh, my YouTube channel has been doing pretty well lately. I crossed, where, where when did it, it, in early January, it crossed 50,000, which is unreal. And like today it crossed 52,000, which is not that much later. And that's two 2,000 more, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. And I love that. And I'm super excited about that. But the last few videos I've done have not done very well. And when I say not done very well, it's like, I love them. They're great videos. It's not like they're bad videos. They've gotten, you know, collectively more views than than any of the videos I used to make, you know, where it'd be like, maybe in the first month, I could hit 1,000 views, or maybe ever this video could hit 1,000 views. Now it's like, that video only hit... 1500 you know by the first evening or 2000 which is like come on tom like just smack myself and go like stop it (laughs) but the reason i say it didn't do well is because when you log into your youtube dashboard and it tells you it ranks your previous 10 videos it's like everything that i upload is just 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 and you know that i kind of just wish i could turn that off because Especially like the most recent video was about Adobe auditioning, Adobe Audition audio editing. There's a way you can edit music in Adobe Audition where you can make any song any length without just looping the song and without changing the the tempo or the speed of the song. It's pretty magical. Video, any of my Adobe Audition tutorials don't do very well, which is great because I have another one coming out soon. (laughs) But anyway, that's what that video is about. And when I say it didn't do well, you know, I mean by YouTube's metrics, everything is downward gray and red arrows it's 10 out of 10 their little comment is like people are not watching this video and they're not choosing it but i really like the video that's actually why (laughs) if you heard the the new intro to 
to the show. This is the song I was editing in that video. And when I when I edited it in the video, I was like, oh, you could take a song and you could shorten it down and make it a podcast intro. And I, this was just my example song. And then I cut it down to like 25 seconds. I was like, that's actually a really cool intro. <laughs> and I decided it just kind of fit. It has, you know, it's got that ska feel and it just kind of fit the show. And it had been, you know, three seasons with the same song, which I really liked, but I was trying to really listen from the audience's point of view. So if you love the old song, I would love to know, or maybe you don't even care, or you just skip ahead and don't even hear them. I don't know. <laughs> but I would just kind of feel like the old one was a little bit loud and maybe like a little bit, it was just a little bit loud. And I was worried if people were you know, popping in their headphones or driving in their car and pressing play on the podcast, if it was just like, ah, like chaos. And then suddenly it's just me talking in a room. So I was like, this one sort of feels... It just sort of feels smoother in a way, but I don't know. Anyway, that was that was the video. And the point is, like, I got a new song out of it. I learned a lot about it. Even though it's not getting watched very much, the people who do watch that video, like, it, it's doing really well with the people who are choosing it. Like, people are like, oh, my gosh, thank you. I had no idea this is going to save me so much time. Like, it's doing really well in terms of actually helping people, which is really kind of what matters most, right? But... I did want to go, okay, I've released several videos in a row now that YouTube is like, your video sucks. So I was thinking, what is a video that will do well? And if I look at my past 10 videos, okay, my Adobe Audition tutorials do poorly. <laughs> but anything I have, I do, you know, with a microphone or the Rodecaster or the ATEM or streaming, those tend to do pretty well. Haven't done one in a while. And so I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, what do I know? I like making those videos. So I was being strategic and thinking, okay, what's a video I can make about, you know, maybe about the roadcaster or something that I have that hasn't been covered that I haven't seen covered. And I've been getting questions lately. And I don't know where this is coming up, because I have found no information about this. But I have gotten questions lately from people saying, um, what do you think about the roadcaster 2? When is the roadcaster 2 coming out? And roadcaster pro 2, which like, I don't know that that's a thing. I mean, it makes sense that at some point, I guess that would come out, but the current one is great and it seems like they can just inject new magic into it regularly via firmware updates. So I don't know, I don't know when or if a new one would come out, but I was kind of thinking like, okay, maybe I could make a video that is about like five things I would want on a Rodecaster Pro version two which in a way is kind of five things I don't like about the Roadcaster. So it's like I was trying to take like a negative thing instead of saying like five things I don't like about the Roadcaster and turn it into five things I would want in a Roadcaster Pro version two. And I was like, yeah, that could, that could be interesting. It could be, you know, I was really tired. I had a really long week. So I was like, that wouldn't be a terribly difficult video to make because it's a mostly talking head video since it's all theoretical. And it could open up a dialogue because people would start talking. And I know Rode is open to, you know, customer feedback and, and that kind of stuff. And I know, you know, every once in a while, people from Rode will see my videos. So I was like, maybe I could actually make a video, talk about these things. And you never know, like a feature could end up in, in a future thing. You never know. And <clears throat> but something like, for some reason, with that idea, as simple as it was and as, as fine as it was, Something about it was just like slightly not feeling right to me. And normally, like, unless I'm really excited about an idea, I don't really like pitch my ideas to anyone or, or tell Heather or anything. 
if I'm super excited about something, I might say like, oh, I'm going to make a video about this this weekend. Or if I say I'm going to go record a video, she'll say like, hey, what's your video about? And I'll be like, it's about blah, blah, blah. But this was like, you know, she was reading or something. It was getting kind of late at night. And I was like, I think I have an idea for a video. Let me run it by you. And I explained the idea. And she was just kind of like, yeah. She's like, that's good. But I could tell. I could tell she was not sold on the idea. And I was like, why aren't you sold on it? She was, And she went right to the heart of what I said a minute ago where she was like, it seems, in, you know, it's interesting, you can talk about it, but it also seems like for people who now have bought this thing and are excited to make stuff with it, now you're making a video about the things that are wrong with it. So kind of like I said, you know, five things I wish the next version would have also kind of means five things I don't like about the current version. She's like, so many people say that they, you know, they invest in this stuff because of you. They, they get excited to make stuff with it, and now the video they see is kind of things that are wrong with it. It might, it just might put a bad taste in people's mouths. And I was like, yeah, okay. I think that's what, I think that's what was not sitting well with me when I came up with the idea. But then, this is the reason I'm telling you the story, Heather was like, the reason that, you know, the strength of your channel is the people who watch it and the people who engage with it are people who are really excited about making stuff. And they want to come for the positivity, the encouragement to make stuff, the new skills to make things with, how to use the stuff that they have to make the best stuff they possibly can. And and this is this is sort of the opposite of that. And that was incredibly helpful because immediately I was like, yes, you're right. And I just was like, I'll just, that idea is dead. Like, I don't need to do it. I'm not super attached to the idea anyway. And, but that was, that was incredibly helpful because it went back to exactly what had happened on Elysio's podcast earlier in the week where I was being motivated because even though he felt bad about like, I'm sorry, Tom, for not having this stuff or more organized before the stream, I was so excited to see somebody like actively making their thing better and working, working on their craft and that kind of stuff. It was unbelievably motivating. And Heather kind of framed it that that's one of the strengths of my channel and the stuff that I make is it sort of has maybe that vibe to it where it's like, yes, you can go there, you can watch something, you can figure it out, you can feel excited or empowered to go make your thing. And I have gotten to know over the past, you know, several months and stuff that so many people who do watch my videos or listen to my podcast make their own thing. It's not, it's not necessarily a bunch of people who are just sort of like passive. It's a lot of proactive, you know, uh, engaged, the word sounds wrong, but like people who are just doing their own thing and, and looking for help along the way. And that's really exciting. And and I know that, like I know that, this isn't news to me, it's probably not even news to you, but just having that reaffirmed in these different ways, you know, experiencing an example of it from somebody else and then being told by my wife, that, you know, that same kind of thing is why people want to go to, would want to go to my channel. It was really clarifying. And so I was like, okay, I, I ended up just switching that video idea into, you know, five tips and tricks for the roadcaster. So I was like, oh, there's tons of stuff that I couldn't make a whole video about. Like I can't make a whole video about USB mix minus. So I could, but I don't want to, but I could take, you know, mix minus and how to mix in effects and multi-track and all these little things like that are part of my workflow and I can turn that into a nice video where I'm sharing knowledge and somebody who has this tool could watch that video 
and maybe learn more about how to use it in a way that they didn't know before. That's so much more positive. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a very simple just reframing. But going forward also, that really does help help me kind of decide more what to what what I really want people to get out of my videos and the the overall, I guess you could call it, vibe of the videos as I make them. And the reason that I think that that is important is really because of where I want things to go from here. So another part, let's see, what are we about halfway through our episode here? Another part of season four that I, I want, I guess this is also turning into like an update episode now, but another part of season four that I want to, that I want to cover is in a way a documentation of a journey that I am uh, still scared to speak of out loud, which is, you know, um, I don't know if I'm going to go back to my job next year. I, I say that and a big part of my gut is like, Tom, of course you are like, come on, come on, who are you kidding? But another part of me is like, I might go insane if I do. <laughs> and it's not, it's not like, I'm so grateful in this world, especially I've got a decent job that allows me to be creative. It pays very well and it gives me health benefits. I mean, and it has like a decent amount of security. Like I'm part of a union, you know, if if I get mistreated or something, like I actually can, like something can happen. The fact that we have been able to, you know, be kept safe during the pandemic, even though a lot of people in the community and, and even at like our school district want everybody to just be back together like normal, which would literally be deadly at this point, is because we have a strong union. Like it's, there's so many benefits in terms of that. So I am grateful and appreciative. And I know that like, oh, no, the worst thing you have to do is stay there. But as you may or may not know, um, my channel and all the different things have become kind of a second full time job lately. And I don't mean that in a negative way. But it's it's a lot of friggin work. <laughs> uh, one episode that I'm going to do in the coming weeks, I don't know exactly when, but I, I want to go through and run through um, everything that Heather and I have done to set up both our channels like as a business and I counted it up and there's something like 10 or 11 revenue streams coming from my channel. How do, how do we manage that? How do we do that? How do we pay ourselves? I've learned a lot about that. If you, if you've been listening since like season two, you know, I was kind of like just figuring that stuff out. And now I feel like we have a pretty good handle on things and we've got things pretty official. The big test will be coming up into tax season this year and seeing, you know, <laughs> do we owe a bajillion dollars or are we fine? And if we're fine, then that means, hey, we're on the right track. But anyway, um, that's, I mean, legitimately, like, we're running a business now. We can absolutely say that. And beyond, you know, making content, that takes a lot of time. It takes a ton of time. It's very fun. It's very enjoyable. But it is very time consuming. And l honestly, it to do it well takes about the amount of time of a full-time job, but I already have a full-time job. So now I have two full-time jobs. And it just kind of comes down to like, obviously my school job pays significantly more than my YouTube job. But my YouTube job last year in 2020 made $50,000, which I'm not saying as a brag, and that does completely blow my mind considering I started the channel with the intent to lose money because <laughs> I thought I would just be spending money 
on stuff. But the channel and all the revenue streams generated about $50,000 last year, um, which while that is less than I make at my teaching job, that that is more than I make made in my first couple of years teaching. I started teaching with a master's degree, so a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a teaching credential in 2011 was when I got contracted for $48,000 a year. And so my YouTube channel, 50,000, which is which is crazy, but my but that was 10 years ago and so <laughs> and I've also gotten another teaching credential since then. So my teaching salary has gone up um to to basically almost double that in the time time since. But of course, you know, we've kind of had this conversation before the the teaching job has security with it because I know like, you know, with, if there's a sick day, if there's a holiday, if students do poorly on assignments, if students do well on assignments, my paycheck is going to be like the same down to the penny each month for 10 months out of the year. And that's, that's a really wonderful bit of security. And especially growing up where I didn't feel like I had that kind of security. I value that a lot and I'm not really in a hurry to throw that away. But at the same time, there's always a but with those sentences. But at the same time, while it will never go below that, while I know this is going to be my my monthly income and, you know, it's not going to go below that, unless I guess I just don't show up to work and, like, don't get a sub, like, I don't know. Yeah, it won't go below that. <laughs> uh, it also won't go above it. The way school district pay scales work is you get, or at least ours do, and I do work in Southern California, which is one of the higher paying areas in the country. Um, but of course, the cost of living in Southern California is also one of the highest in the country. But fortunately, we live in one of the lower cost of living areas of the highest cost, because we don't live in LA or San Diego. So, uh, you know, cost of living is a little more reasonable where we're at. So it's that's great, right? That's a win-win. But anyway, the way that it works is every year you get, you kind of go up on the scale on the scale pale on the pay scale <laughs> and and the more education you have you go over so it, it's like a grid and the top left is the least amount of education and the least amount of pay and the bottom right is the most education with the most amount of pay and that's like you, you know you've been there for years and years maybe you got like a phd or something um but anyway i am i have a few more maybe like three or four more steps to go down in terms of seniority and and that raise is something like two to three thousand dollars a year um every year so that could be you know i guess what over maybe four more years three times four twelve thousand dollars so potentially i could be making just if i stay where i'm at and just keep doing what i'm doing i can make twelve thousand more a year in about four years and then <laughs> i have enough units to be all the way over in the highest education category. But since I switched districts five years ago, my district has a rule that you can't be in the furthest category unless at least 15 of your units were earned while you're an employee of the district, which would mean that basically I got to sign up for like a few classes or a whole bunch of professional development training, you know, which ends up costing time and money. And then the pay increase is something like, it is like it would be another... I don't know, two to three thousand a year, I guess. To jump over there would be two to three thousand more than I'm making, and then up two to three thousand. So it's 
It's more, but honestly, with the amount of time I would have to spend to do it on top of everything else I'm doing, the amount of money it would cost to do it and the amount of time it would take to recoup that money. Plus, like, those classes and trainings suck. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. They are super boring and always useless. And I haven't, I know it's really harsh, but like, come on, I've been doing this for a long time now. It is what it is. Like, do I really need to know that building relationships with students is important? Wow, I really earned my units now. Good thing I spent 18 Saturdays figuring this out. Sorry. (laughs) You can see where the frustration's coming in. So I have no interest really in doing that. Um, Which means that I'm I'm not going to bump over. So Kind of, it can get raises at my current job for the next you know three or four years, and that's kind of it. And then it doesn't really matter how much longer I stay here. My pay will never increase. You can always get little bonuses, not bonuses, but stipends maybe if you, you know, you put in a bunch of extra time or you work extra events or something. Or you know, if the if the teachers union negotiates a, a pay increase, then even though I don't move on the pay scale, my little cell that I'm in you know, it increases a little bit. So that's really about the only way I would get a raise is every time the the union renegotiates every two to three years. And you get like, (laughs) it's so sad, because like, literally, our our district administration will sometimes give themselves raises of 13%. And teachers every two or three years have to fight to get 1%. (laughs) So it's not like it's going to be a huge, huge thing. I say this jokingly, because um, I'm happy with my pain. Like, I don't, I don't, of course, I would love more money, give me more money. But I'm happy with my pace. So I don't have that. I've seen other people where they're like, I have a master's degree and I've been teaching for 10 years and I make $29,000. And it's like, Jesus, get a different job. Because that's, I can't, I can't imagine doing that. So I'm happy and fortunate. But long story, super long, it will never go above that. Like that is it. And obviously money is not the only reason to do things, but that's it. Whereas something like, you know, when I say YouTube, I kind of mean everything that goes, all those different revenue streams, which also includes like consulting now. We've talked about that in the past. I am working to put together courses finally because that's something I want to do. And there's also been a lot of like literally people asking, hey, can I like sign up for this? Do you have a course? So if there's people asking for it and I'm literally a teacher, (laughs) maybe I should make the thing. So that's also something I'm working on. But anyway, if the channel is where it's at and it and it's making what it is, obviously that that could just drop out overnight. You know, YouTube could change something. One of the other streams of revenue could change something. Societal trends could change. Remember MySpace, how everyone was on it and then no one was on it? You never know what's going to happen with those kinds of things. And so there is no safety net there. Whereas I always know what my minimum pay is going to be with my job. That doesn't happen, you know, in the, on the other side of things in the YouTube world, it could go down to zero, it could go into the negative, because you could be literally be losing money. But at the same time, there is also no top end, which doesn't mean like, I'm gonna make $50 million, or <laughs> some absurd amount. But there is, there is no, there is no top end. So conceivably, I could end up making more doing that than I ever could at my current job. And the thing that's most appealing about that is I'm making my own thing for myself. I'm not working for somebody else. And obviously teaching has, you know, intrinsic values to it that that come with, with building student relationships, with helping people grow and figure things out and 
supporting them at really difficult parts in their lives and, and that kind of stuff. But also, I've been doing that for 11 years, 11 academic years, and um, it's exhausting <laughs> physically, emotionally, mentally. And I kind of, especially the past year doing everything online, I mean, there still are those relationships and there still is that benefit, but it's really suffered and it's really gone down. And in a way, it's like that has kind of helped me get one foot out the door because it's it's one, you know, that, that like disengagement has kind of already begun. And next school year, if we go back, which I can't imagine it would be just normal, normal. So it'd probably be some weird hybrid thing. And no matter what it is next year, even if it were just normal, if there was a Thanos snap and like COVID disappeared and everything was safe everywhere, just picking up the pieces of 2020 is going to be such a, basically, I'm going to have to restart my program, rebuild it again. I've already now built two digital media programs and now I have to rebuild this one. And truth be told, I just don't think I have the energy to do it. I don't even think I have the will to do it because... (laughs) I mean, it it was running so, so well prior to COVID, but I was already still stressed out and exhausted all the time. And now to just kind of go back into that stress and exhaustion, but also now having to, you know, you're dealing with students who don't remember how to be in school. Like, I don't remember how to be in school. I don't want to deal with bathroom passes. Are you kidding me? It's <laughs> kind of turned into like complaining session. I'm sorry, but I'm just pointing out the the thoughts that I have of like, this could be this could be the push to kind of get going. So I've been thinking about that anyway. Um, And I don't remember why I started talking about that, but I think it's just season four. I might kind of be updating and documenting on that because I have become very fascinated lately in people's journeys. And I've seen a lot of, there's a lot of YouTube videos that will pop up of people that are like, I quit my job. And then it's just like a lot of footage of them sitting around drinking tea and like reading a book and they're in a very beautifully lit room and I'm like but how are you paying your bills (laughs) what if you get sick how do you go to the doctor like those kinds of things I don't know I don't know if there is a practical answer to that and so that's kind of the world that I'm navigating as you know my own side business is growing and I still at the core of everything want to stick to my um want to stick to my guns about doing things my way. So I know, like, I absolutely know if worse came to worse, like, for example, um, right now, they barely just started rolling out the COVID vaccine. I do have a hard line in the sand about I'm not going back in a classroom if there's not mandatory vaccines. I, I Politically, you can feel however you want. Like, even if I get the vaccine and I'm vaccinated, putting people together I mean, we have people on our campus who are hospitalized, who have, you know, died from COVID. So putting people together who aren't vaccinated is going to kill people. Absolutely. And I'm just not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I'm not going to play a role in putting students in that position or their families or their staff members. That's a hard line in the sand for me. Um, I would go back on campus if it's like you like students already have to have vaccination records to go to school. So it's not like an unusual thing. And it's just did you get your COVID vaccine? Yes. If so, then you can come to school. If not, you got to stay online or whatever. So I say that because if, which this isn't happening, this is purely hypothetical, but if for some reason they were like, okay, we're going back right now. And it is what it is. If you got a vaccine, you do. If you don't, you don't. We're going back. I'm out. Like I'm, it doesn't matter. Like the practicality of salary and all this stuff. Like I'm not being going to be a part of that situation. 
which again is not a thing that's happening it's just a hypothetical thing if something like that were to happen i know that i could choke <laughs> i could choke my channel to life to a point that it could sustain and support you know the income that that we need to to keep going and to stay stable and secure and all that stuff but i don't want to have to choke it to life and so i want to stick with the stuff that i've talked about in the past of doing things my way and and building it into what i want letting it grow organically which i think is going to take longer but i think will be more sustainable and will be more satisfying and ultimately will also be more fun for everyone in the end but it doesn't take longer to get there and so now it's it's almost just like a race against time to see what will take longer which of course the worst case scenario is like oh you just keep your decent job for another year or whatever all right it's not like you know i don't know nothing super terrible <laughs> happens <laughs> but i would love to be able to you know stop being spread so thin and of course the op if i if i feel like i'm spread thin between these two things my full-time job plus my youtube thing and of course then there's like home life and family stuff and we don't even have kids other than our dogs um you know that's obviously a non-negotiable that needs time and attention so then you've got work and business and work is something that that is the bread and butter of how we support ourselves and then the side business so it makes sense that if one of those things is intruding on the other you would ditch the one that's not providing as much but for me even though that doesn't provide as much monetary you know security yet it provides a lot more personal satisfaction personal growth plus it's my thing it's not somebody else's thing so it's not something that i'm willing to sacrifice and i have to keep going on the other one so it's just i'm in that transition period i guess you know you hear about people like i, I am in that period where i just have to keep doing both full-time for now to see where it goes because i can't i either can't or won't give up <laughs> on either of them that might also just be me being stubborn which is okay but i want to share that super candidly with you because i don't hear that conversation a lot you know heather's one of the only people i know who did that where she like literally quit her job and then that's when she started her youtube channel was documenting that journey of of that and so i don't really hear the people talking about the practical side of things it's either the you know the dangers of don't do it or look i quit and now i'm hiking the grand canyon it's like well what's the like actual thing like what's the day-to-day -day thing for real <laughs> so as i'm navigating this regardless of where it ends up down the line i would like to as transparently and openly you know update and document it and explain it because it could be helpful to somebody else who's maybe thinking about different things. And it's not anything I ever thought I would think about. Like, that's not why I started my YouTube channel. It's not why I got into this at all. But then it just sort of popped up as an option. And now I'm thinking about it. It's very much like, you know, I, my parents did this thing <laughs> um, where neither of them went to college, but I grew up not even, I literally didn't know college was optional until like I was in college, which sounds so silly, but like it was just, that's what you do. You go to elementary school, middle school, high school, college. And I didn't know, it wasn't until I was in college and like, you know, some people from high school didn't go to college. And I was like, but wait, they didn't, like they just chose not to go and it's okay. <laughs> and that's when I really realized, wait, this is totally voluntary. And I didn't know. And I, and I thought that was amazing because my parents having, my mom eventually went back to college as an adult and, and got a degree and stuff. But 
you know, when I was a kid and, and going into going through all this stuff, my parents hadn't gone through college, but it was so interesting that they just made it such a non-negotiable part of my life, which is good. I'm glad that they did. But that was all I thought was, okay, you go to college. So I'm going to college. And it wasn't until like my junior year of college that one of my English professors, who I really love and respected a lot, he was talking to me during class. I think it was actually getting, you know, we were looking towards like the senior year of college. And he was like, are you going to go into a master's program or anything like that? And immediately I was like, no, you're kidding. I don't do that. That's for, that is definitely for other people. That is not for me. And he was like, well, you should really think about it. Like, you know, this school's got a great program, you know, you take these different tracks, I think. He said, I think you'd really benefit from the program, and I think the program would really benefit from having you. And I remember I was just kind of shocked because my thought was immediately like, no, other people do that. I don't do that. And then it was, you know, he just walked away and didn't think twice about it. But I was just like, wait, there is no reason that I couldn't be one of those other people. Huh. And it just kind of shifted everything. And then, of course, you know, you learn about like, well, you actually, especially for teaching, you you concretely get more money and more salary for having more education. And it was just like, oh, I will go into a master's program. And then I did. But it's not something like starting college that was not ever part of the plan. And I think this is kind of the same thing. I started it because I wanted to start a channel, wanted to start making stuff, wanted to start sharing stuff. And then as time went on and it started organically generating revenue and then time continued to go on and that revenue became less of like, hey, isn't this cool to make an extra $300 a month to like, oh, I'm making more than I made when I started my career. Where is that going to go? It's not an idea I would have had before, but now it's like, eh, like way off on the horizon. It's becoming more of a, of what seems to be a possibility. And so I just want to share that that journey wherever it ends up with you so if if the end of this year is me podcasting out of a cardboard box in an alley you'll be there for it so anyway uh, that's a great place to kind of uh, I guess pause for this week and wrap things up so thank you so much for listening thanks for joining me for the fourth season as I hope you can tell from from the stories I shared today I do really appreciate the messages and the comments I know sometimes it takes me a couple days to get back to them but I really do appreciate it, and especially something like this, because uh, this podcast is probably like the least promoted thing that I do. It really means a lot when when I get feedback from it, because it really means people went out of their way not to just to listen to it, to spend their time with it, but then to provide feedback on it. It just feels so authentic and so genuine, because I know I really know you have to go the extra mile to do that, and I really do appreciate that, and uh, take it to heart. So if you have anything you want to share, or any thoughts or anything, I'm, I'd love to hear them. You can you can always reach out to me at Sodar and Tom as usual. And uh, or you can send me an email, Tom at hi, my name is Tom.com, which is a ridiculous URL. So thank you so much for listening. I uh, had a great time. I look forward to continuing next week. And now here's that sweet ska jam as we wrap up. Please stay safe, have fun, and I will see you next time. <laughs>